Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you this morning. Uh, Now, obviously, Jane and I are not uh, in person. We are in Burgess Hill this morning. But those of you who are watching this in all the other congregations, we have loved doing the whole Roman series and we're coming to the close of it this morning, looking at chapters 15 and 16. I know you've really enjoyed it as well, haven't you? Loved it. There's so much in the book of Romans that is life-changing, I think, personally, so much, but also as a church, the the revelation from uh, Romans 9, 10, 11 is just... It's just, yeah, amazing. I know we've had a lot of feedback, haven't we? Yeah. Just from people. Yeah. Uh, just some people saying, I've never even read that in yeah. a Bible. Or if I have, I've never realised actually what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been so good. So I think it's just so important, isn't it, to take time going through the Word, yeah. uh, not in a rush or just reading loads of chapters, but actually just going in one sense, verse by verse, chunk by chunk, and just giving God the space to show us actually mm. what his heart is, what his purpose is and what he's doing, yeah. which I think is, is one of the reasons we, we've taken the whole year to go through the book of Romans. And, and I'm sure everybody's got their own stories, testimonies of, of what God's been doing mm. as, and still is doing. And uh, towards the end of the message, we're gonna look a little bit more as to kind of why we've been going through the book, but where, where are we going as a result, yeah. um, which is really, really important. So what are the next steps? What does it look like going forward? So we're going we're gonna to read mm. most of uh, chapter 15 uh, and then just bring out a few verses, some particular things we feel kind of God wants us to pick up on this morning, go into chapter 16 and then just share some other things as a result of that. So... Uh, Jane, do you want to read uh, chapter 15? Yeah. Okay, so we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations and the Gentiles will hope in him. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Mm, brilliant. Love the word, eh? Yeah, amazing. I mean, it, there's so much in Romans that you just need to read it <laughs> and, uh, and God speaks, doesn't he? But just uh, a couple of things we want to pick up on in, in the first 14 verses there. Uh, verse 4, uh, Paul says here, for everything that was written in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and so obviously Paul taught from the, uh, the, the Old Testament uh, and because they're the scriptures that they had. And obviously he came with the revelation also that directly the Holy Spirit gave him uh, about who Jesus is and all that Jesus accomplished. And so, but he's saying here, everything was written in the past to teach us, uh, to actually show us the way, to show us God's heart, God's purpose, God's will. And then it says, and through uh, endurance uh, and encouragement, the endurance of the scriptures and the encouragement, they provide us with hope, that we might have hope. Now, the context for us at this time in, in, a, in a, a society, a nation that is struggling in a lot of hopelessness, mm -hmm. uh, we have such a hope yeah. in our lives because of who Jesus is, knowing that our lives are in his hands and that he is in control, he's in charge and that we can trust him, rely on him. And it, it's in these times, and as we've been reading in our daily plan, we've uh, even today, when we're recording this, this morning's actually was from James 1, talking about the trials that we go through actually help our faith to mature and become even more genuine. And so he's, he's admonishing us here so much and all the way through Romans to stick to the word, know the word, read the word, believe the word, get the word inside you because of what the word builds in terms of relationship with God, but also stability in our minds, yeah. stability in our hearts and lives so that we're not governed by all the things that are changing so rapidly. We're not even governed by our own emotions. We're governed by the Word and the Spirit at work in us. And that's the thing that provides hope. And then it says here in verse five, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the spirit of unity amongst yourselves. So as we are plugging into the Word in our own lives, taking hold of all that, say, Paul has been teaching through Romans, as we're doing that individually and also together, there's this endurance and encouragement that, that um, gives us the spirit of unity, this oneness, one heart, one mind, one spirit. And then it says, as you follow Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is only gonna lead us to the Word. He's only gonna reveal Jesus into our lives, the living Word. Uh, and so that enables this unity, this oneness in the midst of so much challenge going on out there at this time. And in verse six, so that with one heart and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is so, so important because the enemy wants to bring so much division not just in the world, but in the body of Christ, because he knows if he can divide the church, divide the body of Christ, get Christians arguing and, and just uh, some factions, you know, amongst themselves, where there's disunity, there won't be a release of his spirit, of his power and everything he wants to do. And so, so, so important in terms of um, what Paul is writing here. And then in verse 14, it says, I myself am convinced my brothers and sisters that you yourselves, it says, are complete yeah. 
and filled with the knowledge and the comp- and competence to instruct one another. Um, remember the word we had right at the beginning of the year that, that somebody had of the silver tray serve, the kitchen is closed, the silver tray service is over. It's time for a buffet, time for bring and share. And God wants us to move more and more forward in that. And we're going to unpack some of that in the new year during January, during our prayer and fasting time as to what that's going to look like next year. Because all this has got to have legs on it. It's got to have feet on those legs. So we actually walk out this stuff. It's not just spiritual theory and knowledge that we have, but there's a reality to working this out. And we're going to go into that a bit more, but it's very much connected with not only us being disciples, but us being disciple makers, Mm -hmm. us disciples making disciples and what that's going to look like as we go into the new year. But what the encouragement is here is that many of us, we have so much word and understanding in our lives. It says here, and then they give us the confidence, the competence, then instruct one another. And especially uh, people coming in who are newly saved. And uh, you and I, many of us have loads of stuff to share with others. I know that we were talking earlier and you really kind of felt 14 was really strong. I think it's really, really important. Um, What God has invested in us over the years as King of Faith, we have so much faith. And the more we travel, the more I see the faith that God has has put into us, Mm. um, that we have, that that we believe in him and and his word. And to be able to, all of us, to be able to, we only need to be one step ahead of someone else or believe one scripture that someone else doesn't and help instruct somebody in their walk with Jesus. We can all do that. And and God, the Holy Spirit is wanting the body to um, be living in this way. We know that that shift is coming, Um, yeah. Brilliant. Now, there's, I know there's a few other verses a bit later on in the chapter that you really picked up on and it yeah. really connects in with what God's been doing, particularly with Romans 9, 10 and 11 in terms of a response. But do you want to just pick up on those few Yes, yeah, so Paul, Paul um, in chapter 15 carries on talking about he's been preaching the gospel in the church, he's been preaching the gospel to uh, Gentiles, unbelievers, and he's been um, travelling. And he says in verse 25 of chapter 15, um, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel the least they can do in return is to help them financially. I I love these verses because it's just so practical. The the gospel went out from the Jewish believers in Jerusalem and then the Gentiles who were receiving the gospel through Paul, taking an offering and sending money to the believers in Jerusalem to help support them is is just, um, I'm so glad these verses are there because I think, um, you know, in Romans 13, verse 8, we've already read a few weeks back that the the debt that we owe to one another is is love. And if we've been stirred in any way in in through reading Romans and 9, 10 and 11, particularly of, 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 of getting this understanding that the gospel went Uh, to the Jewish people first and then came to us when they didn't believe. But God still loves them and he still wants them to come to that 
mm. that place of revelation themselves where they believe in him. If you've been stirred by that in any way and you feel, I want to do something with this, I want to do something, um, you can give. We, we can give financially. If you feel that you, you're, you want to give financially to um, Jewish people or to ministries uh, in Israel, to Jewish believers in Jerusalem, then come and speak to us or contact the office because um, we, we, can, we can do that. We can do that. That's, that is one thing we can all do. Um, it may be that another way we can, uh, we can help actually is, is another way is through prayer and prayer works. And, and our Bible reading plan this month is, um, uh, this week we've been reading in the book of Esther. And um, where a decree went out to, to annihilate the, the Jewish race at that time, um, God moved Esther to pray and she changed that decree and the whole thing was turned around. So our prayers work. Mm. Whether, whether you uh, want to reach a Jewish person, you can pray that God will do that. If you have, maybe you have people around you who are anti-Semitic, um, who hate Jewish people, if you've got an understanding now, you can pray for them, you can speak up, you can, you know, God can use you to shift things. Um, if it's a leader in a nation who makes a decree against the Jewish people, as a church, we can pray and see that, see that change. And that's how God wants to, wants to use us. So, and also this week we've been reading in James and the book of James and, and he is like, don't just read the word, but do it. So yeah. again, we've been reading yeah. all this and it's like, okay, guys, now we need to do something with all this. So um, just ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do in response to what I've been reading through this last year? How do you want me to love others? How do you want me to pray? How do you want me to give? Mm. And, and he'll show you because this is this is a journey that we're, we're on where, where it's going to look like something. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant in terms of what you're sharing there. And that kind of links into going into chapter 16 where the first part of the chapter seems a little bit like well, he's just giving loads of greetings to lots of different people. Uh, but actually when you unpack them, he's giving greetings to some of his friends that are Gentiles and other friends that are Jewish. And a lot of these people he's co-laboured with. And so what Paul is, is showing here and why it's in chapter 16, this list of greetings with all sorts of people, he's actually showing, look, guys, everything I've been writing to you and teaching you through this letter, um, I'm already doing. I'm already in great relationship and co-labouring with, as he says to some of these people in here, I'm co-labouring with both Jews and Gentiles. So he's already living out this expression of love, of, of being one together. And, and that's a, such a brilliant, brilliant example. And then uh, after that, showing the importance of relationship and unity and oneness and how you do that by loving one another and co-labouring together. He then goes into verse 17, where he gives a warning. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. But smooth talk and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So in these days, one of the things God wants to do is watch out uh, for people that come with something that might sound close 
to the truth, but not isn't necessarily the truth. And it's like that illustration when you go and work in a bank. Uh, they they teach you, they give you the real notes, and you you learn how the feel of a real note, and then they chuck a counterfeit one in there every now and then. And because you know what a real note feels like, when the one that is a counterfeit, you go, oh no, that's a dodgy one. You pull it out and put it to the side. And so what we want to focus on is what is the truth? What does the Bible say? What's God been teaching us through Paul? So when something false does come along, we recognize it. Something in us goes, hmm. It doesn't quite sit with me. It doesn't quite feel right. We might not ex in that moment know exactly what it is, but we know mm, something doesn't quite sit. And so he's encouraging these guys, hey, stick to what you know. Stick to what you've been taught. Stick to the truth. Stick to the word. And uh, and then obstacles are not going to trip you up when they wait, when they come along. And then, it, then you'll recognize some smooth talk and flattery. And there's some really clever people out there uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean it lines up with the truth, okay? And then it says, because smooth talk and flattery can deceive the minds of naive people. God doesn't want any of us to be naive. And if we're equipped with the word in the way that James has been talking about as well, and we've been looking at, then, then we're not going to be naive in the word, okay? We're not going to be naive and duped into, into things. So there's that warning there, okay, to, to walk in the truth, especially when there's so much at the moment where people say, this is a truth or this is the new truth. And actually... The truth that we believe is is an ancient pathway that's been trodden by many others that have gone before us. So we want to make sure we're walking in those ancient paths. Um, then just to kind of finish off chapter 16, Paul in the last three verses, he kind of really sums up the whole book in three verses. This is his own conclusion that we're going to read here. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, when he says my gospel, he doesn't mean this is my version of the gospel, but he's saying this is this is my gospel. This is what I understand. This is what the gospel is. It's my gospel. And I think God wants us to see that in our life. This is my gospel. Yeah, this is what I believe. So he says, what you've been established in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Christ, Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. So it's not just a new gospel, it's the ancient past, as we've just said, but now revealed and made known, known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all Gentiles may come to the obedience that comes from faith. And that's another thing that's so and so important. What faith does, it enables us to live in the obedience of what God is saying and doing. Not a slavish obedience, but God releases faith. So we go, right, that's what God is saying. That's what I need to believe. Right, now I know how to live. Now I know how to walk in that. Then it says in verse 27, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Christ Jesus or through Jesus Christ, amen. The only wise God, true wisdom comes from God. And we wanna be wise in the things of God. So it's fine to hear stuff that's going on out there, but where we wanna get our wisdom from is from the truth and from who God is. So he sums all this up himself, the whole book of Romans, by saying, hey guys, stick to the gospel, live the gospel. I taught you so much in this letter, you can live by this. And, and when you do, you're gonna hold fast to it, not only yourself, but together. And you'll be able to come through challenges. You're gonna come through persecution. You're gonna come through where there could be deception and, and all, all kinds of things. So we've massively enjoyed going through Romans. And uh, you then ask the question, 
So why? <laughs> why have we gone through this thing? And I just want to say a couple of practicals, and I'm sure Jane will probably pick up on some things as well. Firstly, why have we been going through it? Because God's been preparing us. God's been doing a work of preparation. He's doing this in His church in a lot of places, not just here. So preparation. And what is part of that preparation Paul's been talking about? The centrality of Jesus. Keep Jesus right in the middle. Keep Jesus central. He's been unpacking the gospel, especially the first eight chapters, explaining it thoroughly. Keep Jesus central. There's been a work of preparation, okay, so that we... We live in the gospel, we live by the gospel. And I want to use this analogy. It's like God's been setting us up. You know, when you play golf, or maybe some of you have never played golf, I've had a, a go here and there, not that good. But when you play your tee shot, you come to a new um, hole, if you like, hole number, let's say seven, because that's a good biblical number, right? Um, you come to, and what you do is you put the tee in the ground, you put the ball on the tee, and then you have to, you have to, set yourself to play the shot, okay? And, and a lot, there's a lot of wiggles, aren't there? You know, when you watch golfers, they're, they're doing all this stuff, wiggling about, getting comfortable, getting in position. But basically what they're doing, they are setting themselves for the tee shot. And they want the tee shot to go all the way down the fairway and they want it to land on the fairway. They don't want to go into the rough. They don't want to go into trees. They certainly don't want to go into a bunker because they know if I set myself right, I practice my swing shots, I prepare myself, I get ready for what I'm about to do. They play the tee shot and the timing in the right way and the ball ends up on the fairway. When you're in the fairway, you can then see where you're going next. But they know if they rush it, if they don't take time, if they don't look up and listen and, 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 and look and really get there, set themselves, they're gonna end up going off to the left or right. If you go into the rough or the trees, it's really, really difficult to see where you're going next. And so God has been working in our hearts and lives, preparing us, positioning us, getting us ready for the new hole that he's, he's taken us to. And that might sound like a funny analogy, um, but when you're a golfer, the whole idea is you get the ball in the hole. So you're aiming at something, you're moving towards something. So all your preparation and practice is to make sure that you get down the, the fairway and into the hole in the way that you need to. Mm. So God's been doing some of that. He's setting us up and he's about to play his shot and send us down the fairway in a new and fresh way. And you know, when God is taking that shot, it lands exactly where it wants it to, but he knows that we need to have our hearts, minds and lives in line with him. And when your heart is in line with him, then you know the actions that are gonna result from that are gonna be the right ones. So then connected with that, God's been saying, make room, make room in your heart, therefore in your life, Okay, and, and part of that making room has been the, that fresh revelation of his heart for the Jewish people. And what does that mean in our lives? I know many of you have said, particularly those of you that have gone through the Jewish Jesus book with us on the Sunday night, many people have said, well, I, I've read stuff, but never understood it before. I'm reading the Bible now, Old Testament scriptures, and it's coming alive in a new way. And there's a revelation of God's heart for Jewish people but within that, what God's been doing is just giving us a fresh heart for people, full stop, which is what's being communicated. So part of this 
going forward is going to be make room in your heart for people, make room in your lives for people, make room in your homes for people. And we're going to be coming into a bit more of that in the new year and explaining where we're going to be moving more as a church across all the congregations in 2023. But this make room for people. And at the heart of that has got to be humility. One of the things that Paul unpacks and and, uh, David Hofbrand in the Jewish Jesus book unpacks is a humility towards one another. So Paul addresses this through Romans that the Gentiles were beginning to get a bit arrogant, a bit of an attitude, uh, trying to lord it over the Jewish people. But also the Jewish people could come and say, well, the gospel came to us first and you should should be jolly thankful that it came. And what he's saying is, no, hang on guys, Mm. let's be humble. Let's have a heart of humility towards one another. This whole thing is, is, is by grace. It's not anything we've earned. And we take hold of it by faith, not by works. And so having a humble heart or having humility is not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. And where there's humility, we then want to honour one another. And in that place of honour, we love one another. When we love one another that way, we then serve one another. And, and what does that mean? It means no matter who comes across our lives, who comes across the threshold of the door of the building that we meet in or our homes, if that's where we're meeting, whoever comes into our lives, our heart is one of humility. We want to honour them, whether they know Jesus or not, okay? We want to honour them, therefore we want to love them and therefore we want to serve them. And so that's the heart that God's been developing in us. And so if we understand, just to conclude, the bigger picture of what he's been doing, his bigger plan of salvation, which the the book of Romans teaches us, we then also know where we fit, where we are in that puzzle, the big picture. We know the piece, the part that we're playing is one of humility, to honour, to love and to serve one another, no matter who they are around us. Doesn't matter how old they are, a different generation, different colour skin, different nationality, speak a different language, whether they're Jew or Gentile, whether they're in the natural, an enemy or not, what he says is, Humble yourself, Mm. honour, love and serve. And so this final maybe analogy that that I want to use, David Hofbrand at the beginning of his book, The Jewish Jesus, talks about um, whatever lens you've been looking through in your life, that is what the focus is and that is what you understand and see. And he said, maybe there's another lens that God wants us to look through as well, to give us a broader picture of what he's doing. And if we just look through the Christian life from a Gentile perspective or a Western Christian perspective, we're looking at it like this. It's like we have one eye open, but we have the other eye or the other lens covered over with something. So we only have a certain perspective. And what God's been doing is we've been going through the book of Romans and especially if you've been going through the Jewish Jesus book, what he's done, he's removed what has been covering up that other lens. And if you like, let's put it this way, he's the Gentile lens now. What we've been added is the Jewish lens and the Jewish understanding of Jesus, how God sees the Jewish people, that he's not finished with them, he still loves them. And therefore God has been opening our eyes and therefore now that we we see with both eyes open, both lenses, if you like, in focus, that then broadens your perspective. So when you're like that, you're like, oh, I can only see a certain thing. But when you go like that, suddenly it's like, right, I've got 20-20 vision. I can see in the way that God wants us to, wants me to, wants us to as a people. And so our response this morning 
is, is really just going to say, Father, where I might still be like this, I want that to be fully removed. Where I might have any blind spots, would you show me those and remove them? Where I've just got blinkers and I'm only seeing through one way, I want you to remove that. Father, I want that 2020 vision. I want that, that kind of broad perspective so that when I look round, I see everything in the way that you want me to. And that's seeing you, your kingdom purposes and seeing all those around me, whether they're Jews or whether they're Gentiles, I want to see with your eyes and with your heart going forward. And I want to make sure that I'm making room. Holy Spirit, put me on the tee so I'm ready for you to knock me all the way down the fairway along with everybody else. So we land right in the middle of the fairway, ready for the next place that you're leading us to in the new year and what that's going to look like with a humble, honouring, loving, serving heart. Amen. Amen. Let's just bring ourselves before the Lord. Father, we thank you for the just the richness of all that you've been teaching us and speaking into our lives this year as a church, as a people. Firstly, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the gospel. We want to thank you that in a place where we just did not deserve you, you came and you laid your life down for us. You went to the cross for us. You took every sin, sickness, pain, shame, guilt, everything that could separate us. You took it to the cross and said, I'll go there and replace you. I'll be the substitute so that you don't have to go there. Instead, you can receive the mercy and the grace of my Father. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. You can come into an amazing relationship with me. And Jesus, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done for us and are still doing by the power of your blood in our lives, enabling us to come boldly and confidently before you in our relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. Father, we just want to bring ourselves to you individually and as a body, as a church, across all the congregations. And Father, we just want to humble ourselves afresh. We want that heart of humility to increase in our lives. So that when we look at others, when we look at one another, we look at one another with eyes of honour, hearts of honour, with love for one another, to then want to serve and build up and encourage and strengthen all those around us. And we just say to you, Father, we're willing and available. Put us on the tee, which you already have been during this year. And we just say to you, Father, take your best shot. Take your best shot, Father. Ping us down the fairway. Launch us into 2023 in the way that you want us to. And as we hear a bit more about what that's going to look like, thank you for your grace to respond with a yes and an amen in our hearts. As we take hold of verse 14, more and more of chapter 15 in the new year, where it says that we've been made complete. There's a competence and there's a confidence to be able to teach one another, make disciples and move forward to see a multiplication through our own lives. Thank you for your grace for that in this new year. That no one's here by accident. We're here because you called us by name. You fitted us. As we heard Dave say the other week, that we're part of a flotilla. We all make this up and we want to submit to your plans and purposes together so we can move forward in the way that you want us to. And as, 
as uh, Kevin said the other day, so we can be the stepping stones you've called us to be, to help others step into the goodness of God through our lives in the way that you want us to. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for those two lenses that come together, the Gentile and the Jewish lens, one new man in Christ Jesus moving together. And so we thank you, Father, for your heart and your love for us, your heart and your love for people in us and then through us. And we praise and exalt your mighty, wonderful, unfailing, unchanging, everlasting name. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Brilliant. Hey, so (laughs) good. So good. good. Love you guys. Bless you. Uh, We're going to move into December uh, in next week. The theme through December is going to be joy. Jesus, others and you, but it's going to be joy. So we're going to unpack that leading right into the Christmas season and all that God wants to do. So looking forward to unpacking that with you guys. So be really, really blessed. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.